Good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday, all. My name is Pete. I'm one of the pastors here. Super glad that you're here as well. I'm just going to echo on Jeff's announcement. Uh, our need for volunteers for this year's Thanksgiving giveaway is like way higher than it's ever been ever. And so we actually need you to come Thursday, Friday, Saturday, any combination of those days in order for people to have a good experience coming here and receiving the blessing from God that the Thanksgiving giveaway is. If you want to give, you know, 25 bucks is Thanksgiving for a whole family. And it's a really great feeling when someone comes up to you and says, I wasn't going to be able to host my family for Thanksgiving and now I can. We can be together for the holiday. Thank you. So you get to be part of that when you give. So thank you, Jeff, for the great announcement. And, uh, Let's make this thing happen, friends. All right, so my name is Pete. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are in a preaching series right now from the book of Philippians. And last week, I got to preach the first half of chapter 3, where Paul shares three ways that we can safeguard our faith. Rejoice in all things, rely on Jesus, and meditate on the resurrection. I actually had a good friend come after first service and say uh, he's been dealing with uh, depression for some weeks. And he was sitting aside, he read the chapter, and he started praying, he started thinking about the resurrection, and he thought about the resurrection of Jesus, and then he started thinking about how we all get to experience resurrection. He said as soon as he started thinking about that, he felt the whole thing lift off him, and it's stayed away since. And so yay God, right? Yay God. Uh, this week, we're going to take a look at Paul sharing about what it takes to maintain our faith for the long haul. In last week's passage, Paul shared about the ways he worked really hard to be a good person before he met Jesus, and this week he shares about his walk as a Christian, and we're going to dive into the verses right now, verse 12. Paul says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. I think it's so striking here that when Paul shares about his Jewish faith in last week's passage, he can say, I was without fault. Paul had the arrogance of youth, perhaps. But now as a Jesus follower, older, at a different stage in life, he's replaced that confidence with humility, one of the chief Christian virtues. He says, I haven't achieved everything I'm cheering you on for. I'm not perfect. I'm not there yet. I love that he's learned humility over the course of his life. If you feel like you're not there yet, like the goal of the Christian life is somewhere way up ahead of you, so far away maybe you can't even see where it is, your faith life isn't everything that it could be. You are in great company. The Apostle Paul felt the same. And I think every major spiritual leader that I've read from feels the same too, from Mother Teresa to Billy Graham, Corey Ten Boom, Augustine of Hippo. Like the great witness of Jesus' closest followers is that we never hit perfection in this life. But what we can do is press on. Jesus has done like the heaviest lifting. He came and lived among us. He died at our hands. And then he stepped into resurrection. Jesus Christ is alive. And that's where our security lies. The cornerstone of our faith, 
is the security we have in God's love revealed through Jesus Christ. At the same time, we also have a choice. Are we going to press on? Our life of faith has been deeply challenged in the last few years. We've had pandemic and polarization, racial injustice, loneliness and isolation are rampant. The enemy of God always wants to use our circumstances to destroy our faith. The enemy of God comes and says, because you're facing this thing, you're a bad person and God's a bad God and it's all hopeless for you. You should give up right now. The enemy of God's goal is to destroy you. And so there's a choice facing you yet again today, just like it's facing me. Are we going to abandon our faith or are we going to keep on plugging away one foot in front of the other? I choose to press on and I encourage and invite you to do the same. Thirteen years ago, I decided to run a marathon. I ran into an old friend from high school, and in high school he was kind of a whiner and he wasn't very fast. And I was way faster than this kid. And then I ran into him as an adult, and he's all in shape, and he's running marathons. And I'm like, this will not stand. I am going to outrun this dude, right? And so I started training by myself, and I made you wouldn't believe the mistakes. My second week of training, I ran 13 miles with my buddy Curtis here in jeans with Uggs. <laughs> Slip-on Uggs. None of this was smart. Do not listen to me for my brilliance, all right? Over the months leading up to the race, I faced setbacks and a variety of aches and pains. And during the race, I learned running 26.2 miles is really hard. At the 23rd mile, I was kind of dying. My hips hurt, my thighs were burning, my calves were cramping. And at mile 24, I kind of slowed down and I started limp walking. And after just 50 yards of limp walking, which doesn't sound very far unless you've run 24 miles, this lady walked right across the course and said to me, come on, you can do it. There's just two miles to go. You know you're slow when there's people walking through the course in front of you, right? <laughs> and because she spoke to me, she was right. I started running, and I kept on running, and I finished the race. Without that woman's encouragement, I was ready to give up. And I'm so glad I started running again. And by the end, I saw the finish line. It's down a big old hill to the state capitol. I sprinted the last quarter mile. And this is the only marathon I've ever finished. I'm super proud to say I finished it. The Apostle Paul is speaking to all of us today just like that woman who crossed the course in front of me. God knows you're not perfect, just like Paul, just like all of us in this room here. And God is sending a cheerleader your way. Paul's writing to the Philippians and to us, come on, you can do it. You can make it to the finish line. You've got this. Keep on pressing on because it's worth it in the end. Paul says, put your eyes on the finish line. Forget the past, which is a reference here to all the good works Paul did before finding Jesus under his own effort. Let go of your pride. And look at where God is leading us. As he wrote in verse 14, I'll say again, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Our faith life is like a marathon, but it's lifelong. And our end is meant to be a heavenly prize that God's calling you toward today. And Paul lets us know the heavenly prize we're after is worth it. It is worth pressing on, no matter what your circumstances tell you, no matter what the enemy is trying to do to your mind and your spirit and your body.
In Revelation 21, 1 through 5, we get a description of what it looks like when the city of heaven comes to earth. That's actually the Orthodox Christian long, multi-thousand-year view of what the end times look like. God's bringing heaven here. Let's read verses 1 through 5. The writer says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And so we have a reason to press on. And the reason we keep moving forward in the life of faith is that we know who wins in the end. God has already defeated Satan and the evil in this world through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because the resurrection has begun, because we see what we're headed for, we have space with our name on it in heaven. Might be a parking stall, might be like a deluxe villa, you know, that'll be in the hands of God, right? I'll take the parking stall, (laughs) right? No more death. No more ultimate fears. That fear that I'll be alone forever, that I'll be broken forever, I'll be angry forever, I'm going to be depressed forever. None of those are true because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You are made for something better. It is not going to be forever. The enemy is lying to you. I want to encourage you today. Keep on pressing on. Re-up again. We can press on or we can resist God. And I see in the life of Jesus and the encouragement of Paul the kind of life I want to live. And so I invite you to offer yourself to God in worship and in prayer. Choose to love God and love people in the face of all the brokenness and sin and evil in this world. Keep on running, even if it seems like you've been running forever. Because our journey in the broken world is not the end. The city of heaven is coming back. And when it does, we get to see Jesus make everything new. And Paul specifically mentions forgetting the past, forgetting the years we gave ourselves to things other than God. Our collective recent past has been hard. It's been a challenging almost three years. All of us have memories and experiences that are not so good, and sometimes they stick to us in our mind and our spirit and hinder us in the present. They tempt us to give up. And so I want to invite you to examine your heart and mind today. I invite you to ask yourself, is God calling you to forget anything from your past so that you can press forward and go on? I'm not trying to exercise like divine denial here. Like, we're not trying to pretend bad things don't exist. But sometimes there's a sense in which we're called to let go. And so, God, I just ask that you would reveal to us, is there anything you'd have us let go of so that we can press forward?
I have one. And I'm just going to pray for those of us who do. God, we want to press forward. We want to get to the finish line. We want to get the heavenly prize. And where there's stuff um, sticking to us from the past, long ago or recent, we ask that you would unstick that stuff and break it off of us, God. We ask that you would help us to forget that which hinders and to press forward where we need things in order to let go, healing, forgiveness, reconciliation. Would you just give us what we need in order to let go of those things which are wrong and move forward for the rest of our lives, God. Amen. Help us reach the finish line, O Lord. Paul continues in verses 15 and 16. He says, Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Now, I really appreciate what Paul's doing here. He's sharing Christian wisdom. I mean, he's an apostle who's been dedicated by God to spend his life teaching and leading churches and writing half the Bible, right? And so he tells us, rejoice, rely on Christ, meditate on the resurrection. And he says, let the spiritually mature agree together that these are good things. What about when we disagree? What about when reasonable people do not view things the same? Does anybody feel like you might disagree about some stuff with the people around you? Does anybody ever have that feeling? Even in church, right? Like, I don't know about that, Pastor right? You can disagree with the pastor here, just so you know. Paul's response to disagreement, I think, is really brilliant here. He says, if you disagree, I believe God will make it plain to you. What if we didn't have to win arguments about spiritual things? You ever find yourself talking when it's no longer doing you any good? You ever find yourself like, no, you don't understand. You're wrong, and you need to believe what I believe, or you're basically a bad person. And the whole world's going to come crashing down. Anybody ever get stuck there? Right? Look at what Paul's doing here. He's saying we don't have to come up with the brilliant arguments that make everybody think everything that we think. Sometimes we can actually trust God to work it out in the end as if that were God's job, not ours. We can't even convert souls. Only God can do that. And so Paul says instead of spending all your time on the disagreements, hold on to the progress you've made. I want to allow a short space for gratitude here. We can get caught up about like, wow, the finish line is way over there, or I can't even see it, right? And we can lose sight of the progress that we've made. And so there is a sense in which remembering the past can be helpful. How many people know you have made progress in the spiritual life? Could I see some hands as an encouragement to the people around us? That's not going to be everyone in the room. You might feel like you've made negative progress lately. That's okay. You're super welcome here. We're glad that you're here. But isn't it great that we've made any progress at all? That's wonderful. Thank you, God, for the progress represented in this room, for the progress any of us have made with your help. For those of you who have not experienced progress with God, Holy Spirit, come. God bless you. God loves you. You're going to get there too. God can do it. Paul closes with one final exhortation, verse 17. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you often before, (coughs) and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they're really enemies of the cross of Christ. They're headed for destruction. 
Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they only think about life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we're eagerly awaiting for him to return. As our Savior, he will take our weak, mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power which will bring everything under his control. Now, Paul writes here, and he's written in other chapters, follow me as I follow Christ. And I want to encourage you with the same words. You can say this to your friends, follow me as I follow Christ. That's a safe sentence, right? We have membership commitments here. You take connect and belong. And then membership is a set of commitments we make to each other. And one of them that we ask of people who are members is support the leadership of the church as we follow Jesus, right? And I always stop and I tell people, if I tell you to do something stupid, don't do that. Right? If any of the leadership here tells you do something dumb, that's not Jesus. Don't do that. But as we follow Jesus, let's learn from one another and support one another. Let's encourage each other in the good things that God's doing in giving us to one another. And there's some helpful tips in here for discernment, and I think that's great. If someone's God is their appetite, if they brag about things that are shameful, and if they're living for themselves because this life's all we've got, It is not going to turn out well for them, and that is not a path that you need to be on. That is the path of destruction, and it can be tempting. People can brag some things that sound super fascinating, and maybe you should give that a try. Maybe not. Maybe don't. In contrast, we're called to be citizens of heaven. We pray today, Lord, let your kingdom come and let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. That's the prayer that Jesus gave to us. And we pray knowing it's going to happen 100% someday. Until then, we celebrate any time the kingdom of God breaks into this world. That happens when we see things like healing and forgiveness and reconciliation. The kingdom of God is breaking into this world. And we're waiting for Jesus day to day. We wait in our worship and in our work and in our home and in our play. And we wait for Jesus to come back forever to turn our bodies into resurrection bodies through the power of God. In closing today, I invite you to consider what help do you need from God and from the church in order to make it to the finish line? It's okay to admit you need help. And it's okay to ask for help. If there's help you need from the church, would you let us know on your connection card? I need help. I've been to church here where I'm only making progress backwards, and I'm coming here because someone might be able to help me take a step forward. That might be you today. Let us know. Come get prayer from someone. If there's help you need from God, that's where we're going to close in prayer. I invite you to stand as you're able. I'm going to share three tips with you while you're standing, and then we'll pray together. These tips are something to read, pray, and do to put the word of God that we're receiving this week into practice in your life. Tip number one is read Philippians 3 and 4. You'll get last week's message, this week's passage, and next week's passage, and you'll be all ready when it comes up. Tip number two is ask God to help you press on. You're at a different stage of the race than anyone else around you. God knows exactly where you are, and God knows what you need. And one of the cool things about God is that he can help you in the way that you need. Like whatever it is, from other people, from circumstances, from the word of God, like God has what you need in order to keep on keeping on. 
And so pray for God to help you press on. And tip number three is give thanks for the progress you've made. This is the season of thanksgiving. And you have made progress. If you have stepped into the life of, with Jesus, there's progress to celebrate there and give thanks. So I want to lead us now in praying that we would receive the help that we need from God. If you're on the prayer team, could you come forward while I pray? We got some folks on the prayer team. We got one. We got anybody who's willing to come up here? Thank you, Vanessa. Thank you, Brent. Thank you, John. Appreciate you guys. Uh, God, help. We know there's people among us who are limping at best and who feel ready to give up. And we ask God, would you speak and would you come and would you use us as you see fit to rescue one another? Would you save us, God, from giving up? Would you help us to keep on pressing on? Would you give us what we need to realize your work is enough and we are going to make it? The enemy is a liar. I ask that you would break off all the discouraging voice of the enemy from your people today, God. That you would destroy the spirit of encouragement and cast it out. That in its place you would put fellowship and community with yourself, Father, Son, and Spirit, and with your people. I pray that every person among us would receive what we need to press on. That everyone among us would be able to press on for the rest of our days. Help us when we stumble and limp, God. Send us our cheerleaders. Speak to us through your word. We're going to worship together. I got prayer first service. I encourage you to have somebody pray for you today. The worship team will let us know when the service is over. And I'll be by the Welcome Center. If you're visiting, I'd love to meet with you. God bless you, friends. <laughs>